following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, Foundation, Doom, The Muppets, Independence Day, Blade, Doom Patrol, A Quiet Place 2, Lord of the Rings, Crazy Rich Asians, Game of Thrones, The Boys, Walking Dead, The Crow, Superman, Batman, Daredevil, The Mask, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Guardians of the Galaxy, Loki, and Captain Marvel. Ryan and Lou, Ryan and Lou, does whatever regular people do. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or deviants. I'm your host, Luigi, and with me as always is my co-host, uh, a new co-host sometimes, but sometimes a returning co-host. And this time, guess what, folks? It's a returning co-host, Ryan T. Lawler, welcome back. Hey, good to be back on the cast with Louis G. What's up, folks? Good to have you back. And uh, so, Ryan, what movie are we going to be talking about for the listeners today? Today, we got the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, Eternals. Dun, dun, dun. That's right, The Eternals, starring... uh, Oh my gosh, so many people. <laughs> it's a long list. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not actually not going to go ahead and list them now because we're going to talk about yeah. uh, the way we're going to approach this like beast of a movie. Um, you and I have, have covered a couple of Marvel shows. Uh, listeners, you can go back and listen to our full coverage of WandaVision, Falcon and Witch Soldier, Loki. And we also talked about Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing we've talked about last time when we reviewed Shang-Chi is that when we see a movie in the theater, it's and instead of at home, it's harder for us to like to have as many in-depth thoughts and notes about it like we do when we do like an episode by episode coverage. Uh, so today for The Eternals, which is like a three hour movie, <laughs> um, we're not going to do a three hour podcast. We are going to break it down. We're going to talk about each of The Eternals because that's the title of the movie and um, kind of go one by one through them and talk about like what we liked, what we didn't like. And then, you know, we'll do our usual, uh, bonus questions. So Ryan, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's dive um, the beast of a movie. Let's dive in. So yeah, the Eternals, very, very rough synopsis is about space robots that, uh, <laughs> get, get the, the guy sent to this earth because earth is secretly an egg that is going to hatch a being called a celestial mm-hmm. once it once the planet has enough minds uh, intelligent minds yeah. for it to consume yeah and i think that is honestly the most possible succinct uh, uh watering down of the premise yeah. that i could possibly do like a one sentence back of the box back of the dvd kind of damn good one sentence uh, synopsis for a uh, three-hour movie i gotta tell you <laughs> I also think personally, when when you break it down to that, it just sounds like a very cool sci-fi premise. Yes. And and I don't know about you, but I, I've been reading a lot of like negative press about this movie yeah. and a lot of negative reviews. Uh, and I don't get it because I thought it was great. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was amazing. I mean, like, I don't think any Marvel movie has gone into this depth of just like going all the way back to the beginning of the universe and like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, I mean, it's just so much bigger than anything we've seen before. And as for the negative comments, I mean, I honestly think a lot of it has to do with the fact that 
like uh, people just aren't used to this kind of a. I, I feel like it still was a Marvel movie, but mm-hmm. it definitely threw vibes of just a more in depth, like a, a more in depth thought into things than that just your straightforward Marvel movie. You know, there was a lot more depth to it. I think, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a movie for like for like so Marvel are have been movies for like all of the MCU have been movies for nerds. This is a movie for dorks. This is a movie for like people that like want to, you know, want to connect the dots through world history and the little cheeky references they make to things like that. That is um it's also I like that you sort of describe it as like it's the uh like the beginning of the Marvel universe. It's yeah. the explanation for the whole yep. how the whole Marvel universe came into being. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Like fans of The Lord of the Rings have this book uh that was written called The Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. And it takes place like before The Hobbit, before everything. It's literally the creation of Middle-earth and that whole world, the creation of the elves, the creation of every like the dwarves and everyone's language and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean it's often described as like the Bible of Lord of the Rings. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to call this movie the, the Bible yeah. of the Marvel cinematic universe. I couldn't agree more. I thought that like almost like right from the beginning of this movie, I was almost like, oh, they're almost laying down like the like religion of the MCU. Like this, like like the gods and how it was created and the creation of the universe. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really deep, crazy stuff. But I think it was really I just there was a lot to do like writing this movie must have been like crazy to me because there's just so one you have so many characters and 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 you have to try to give them all their time and then you also have this depth of like just like again i can't even word it but just the depth of this and how it goes right straight back to the beginning and like the genesis of like the marvel universe and i guess is a good way to put it which is it's cool yeah, the genesis of the Marvel Universe. That's a good, that's a really good way to describe it. So it's, yeah, there's like, um, not only not only does it describe how everything kind of came into being, but I think it's also going to set up a lot. Of, I mean, it's obviously one of the first movies in phase four, and it's going to set up a lot of concepts that are coming later. I've heard some theories and message, read some message boards uh, positing that like, what the some of the powers that we see and we're going to talk about each of the eternals and and each of their individual powers but how like some of the powers that we see some of the gifts that um what's his name fastos gives to humanity in terms of inventions are going to sort of explain how things like mutants are going to come into the mcu yes like that you know these eternals introduce this latent uh mutant gene or maybe the deviants have something to do with it and that's why you know, later on, we're going to get like Cyclops that can shoot laser beams from his eyes and uh, a mutant that can control the weather and stuff like that. Like, this is going to be the explanation for that. Yeah. And what do you think? It lays down a lot of things. Def. I actually thought that they might put some more of a like a reference to X-Men into this, but they didn't. But that's OK. I mean, they're they're taking it slower than expected, but it lays down a lot of groundwork that can be used later. And it also it's like a huge movie that changes the MCU as well. Just in the fact that like, look at the things it, it, it left us with. Like now everyone on earth has seen a giant, like God just appear in the sky. <laughs> there's, a, uh-huh. there's a giant God stuck in the earth. Who's now made of rock. And I mean, would that throw off like the gravitational uh, like rotation of the earth? I don't know. I thought about all these things, but it's just like, 
it's got to be mentioned coming up in further movies. Like, oh yeah, there's just uh, there's just a giant uh, stone monster coming out of the uh, Indian Ocean now. Uh, <laughs> just, I think it's yeah. how huge it is and how much it really changed things. But I think that was done on purpose. It really wants to launch us into a new realm, kind of like you know, hold on to your pants. You know, <laughs> it's time overhaul. <laughs> 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 it is indeed time for an overhaul. Uh, I, w- <laughs> I wonder if like some of the negative response to this movie is because just like you said, like, okay, here's a, here's a great Marvel question. How do you think Steve Rogers is pretty certain about the existence of God? Like he's, he's yeah. said so in various terms uh, throughout the movies. Um, how do you think a, a devout religious person oh would respond to this experience. They'd be blown away. And I I don't even know. I think like uh, most very religious people, they'd somehow, uh, they'd spin this into something to do with God and the religion, which, yeah, you know, which, hey, maybe they'll bring up in this, but uh, I have- well, The other side of that is it's not like the Eternals are all, like they're the ones with the knowledge that explains what we're all seeing. Like everyone else is just seeing it. Yeah. And they only have their their own life experiences and what they know about, you yeah. know, space, science, or theology to explain it. And it's not like the Eternals are like going around telling everybody, hey, this is what this is. This yeah. is how, you know. You know, to be honest with you, I don't know what I'd think if I saw this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I very much am not religious. And But, yeah. I mean, if I saw something like that just appear in the sky, I don't know what I'd think. I'd probably honestly think it was more, it's got to be something to do with space and aliens and science. That's probably where my mind would go first. But, yeah. But, you know, I'm sure some people will go in that oh my god god appeared in the sky there'd be people like with signs on the mountaintops you know like willing to sacrifice for god you know it'd be crazy <laughs> just like an independence day with exactly. the people that were like aliens take me take me with you exactly yeah <laughs> i would definitely be suspicious that like jeff bezos has something to do with this yes that was that was his new spaceship <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so Ryan, I have listed uh, the the ten Eternals that are um, arguably the main characters in this movie. Yes. I kind of the list the way I listed them in order from one through ten was based on like how much screen time I remember each of them having in ter- like you know in terms yeah. of how much I felt like I saw them, got to know them, um, and how much time they spent in this movie. I said so uh, that's list there, yeah. The way you were listed, it was pretty good in that in that regard. Yeah. So let's go through these one by one. The first and and definitely the main character of this movie is Cersei. Definitely. Uh, played by Gemma Chan. Uh, I know Gemma Chan from Crazy Rich Asians. I know she's she's a, a lot of people love this actress and know her from a lot of things, but that's the only credit I recognize her from. She, she was great. Um, I, I thought she was amazing, but honestly, I never really seen her in anything except for she played a character in captain marvel she's one of the mm. characters to play two she's one of the few actors actresses to play two people two characters in the marvel mcu got minerva minerva is her name and i think she's a cree right and that yeah she's a, i think so yep and she's like the sniper on the on her team when she's with the cree like seal team so i think it's cool that they 
that they gave her the opportunity to play another role. If they'll, will she be in more Captain Marvel? Like, she didn't die, right? So I don't. She didn't die. No, she was one of the few that like didn't that made it through that whole movie. Um, and the, yeah, I do. I was wondering about that. Like, is there is there a way? that they can go back and retcon and be like, well, at this point in history, Cersei was like going out in space doing this and like pretending to be, I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything like that, but um, it is fun. It is fun that she is playing two Marvel characters. To go off on a little side branch for a second, it makes me think of this as if they're gonna, they, you know, there's rumors they're going to cast Josh Brolin as, cable when he comes into the mcu so therefore it's another situation where you have another double role i think it's easier with that because he was almost like computer animated so it'd be most people probably wouldn't be able to tell it's the same person but the voice yeah i think but yeah another another situation like that started bringing up but i i i really want him to play cable so i don't won't bother me But it wouldn't bother me either. And it's the same thing with Gemma Chan playing two characters. Arguably, they're entirely different species. They're from entirely yeah. different planets in both cases with Gemma Chan or with Josh Brolin. And she's like blue in Captain Marvel or something, right? Yeah. So let's talk about Cersei's powers. Um, Cersei, Cersei is kind of like at the beginning, she's just kind of part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, it, it's clear that Selma Hayek's character who we're going to get to is the leader. Ajak yeah. uh, is the leader of these Eternals and she's the one that can heal everybody. Um, but Cersei, her main thing is transmogrification, like basically churning one form of matter into another form of inanimate matter. Yeah. Um, or actually in the case of turning something into a tree, animate matter or is that like yeah. living matter apparently she yeah. can well she said initially she couldn't do that but then right but i think that was the power being given from 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 like the celestial growing in the planet as she was kind of like no they didn't do that till later the unimind thing well so here's my argument to that like she can uh, uh, she can turn water into coffee right yeah yep Coffee is from beans to plant-based yeah. thing. So create so it's in a roundabout way. It's creating. She's uh, thing. <laughs> it's, it's creating what? Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting, but it's. It, I mean, it's a reach of an argument, but, <laughs> but it's, it's good. I like. So she's sort of like on the team, and like, but later we see her in like modern day, and she's like a teacher at. Uh, I, I don't know what grade these kids were in, but. Um, or if it was like a field trip and she just I works think, at the museum. I think she was a, I think she was a teacher and she, I'm mm. pretty sure she was a teacher um, or no, no. Oh, sh- God, dang. I just like read this too. Or she, w- or she worked at the museum and she was teaching a class. God, I can't remember, but you know, it was basically all this, the same gist she would. Yeah. But yeah. So she works there now and, and, uh, she was just kind of, you know, She's not the leader, but she's kind of like, she's kind of the leader. Um, she becomes the leader in this movie. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of her journey in this. Yeah, exactly. She's, she definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's a leader. So yeah. Um, where are we going? Uh, so she is also engaged to uh, Kit Harrington. Yeah. Um, Jon Snow from Game of Thrones who plays Dane Whitman is this character's name, which I could not have told you from watching the movie, to be honest. Um, I could only get that from the credits. That's another thing I want to, I forgot to mention earlier. I was going to say like, 
this also is like one of the first Marvel. Well, yeah, uh, first Marvel movie where I well, I didn't really know much about Shang Shang Chi either, but um, this is a huge cast of characters, and I really was so unfamiliar with everyone. You know, like all the stuff I've seen, and basically you're so familiar with, but I really didn't. I don't know anything about Dane Whitman and the Black Knight. I don't know anything about the Eternals. You know, I just, yeah. like I literally never even heard of them. I didn't know Thanos, Thanos had a brother before I watched this movie. <laughs> like the dude's got a bro. Like what? <laughs> Who looks nothing like him? Like nothing. Like doesn't even look. I mean, like doesn't even look like he's also a Titan. I have questions about that whole thing. But yeah, we'll yeah we'll get to that. That's in the post credits, obviously. So we'll get to that later. We will. But um, totally. But yeah, so it's it's also clear from the post credits that this character Dane Whitman is going to be more important later on. Um, but he's barely in the movie he does set up this conflict with cersei where um the second the second lead character icarus uh there's sort of this love quadrangle going on between cersei icarus um her cersei's now fiance and sprite who we're gonna get to but at some point so this the 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 Celestials create the Eternals to be their like robot mm-hmm. servants, more or less, and do their bidding. And they program them and they send them to Earth. And they've been on Earth for what, like, what did they say, like 5,000 years so far? 1,000, I think it was. 7,000. Yeah, from 5,000 BC to, to now, I think it was. Um, You're better at math than me. But, yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> also, had the, they, they also had sent the Deviants initially to do the similar job of the Eternals to eliminate predators so that life could evolve. But the eternal or the deviants themselves like kind of evolved and became the ultimate predator on their own. And then the Celestials then had to create the Eternals to then go down, defeat the, the, the deviants. So then this, so then the population could then grow to power the Celestial growing in the planet. So complicated, but yeah, that's, Yeah, you're right. And that reminds me that like that scene at the beginning in the museum, that's what Cersei or that's what Gemma Chan, whatever her alias's name in in modern day was, um, is teaching in that class. She's talking about like, what's the difference between a predator and an apex predator? And so that's what these deviants were when they were originally sent here. Mm -hmm. And that like, I guess that prompted the need to send the Eternals in and and, uh, interfere because otherwise the deviants would have um, essentially made the planet so uninhabitable that by just being the apex predator and consuming everything and nothing could stop them, that by extension, the celest- the new celestial would never have been born from the egg. Yeah, they got out of control and kind of just started killing, like, you know, they became a great predator themselves and just started killing everything, I guess, you know. So, which, like, you're a celestial. Come on, you couldn't, you couldn't do anything about this? <laughs> Well, it's interesting that what they do is send the Eternals and the Eternals become very concerned with humans and like their society and their civilization. And every time one civilization tries to like commit genocide, essentially, and eradicate an entire group, because the irony of that is pointed out, I think, by Druig later on. Yeah. That and and also by um, the main the only like named deviant character that we get crow, crow. Uh, played by bill skarsgård and um 
who basically points out like, well, what you guys are doing is genocide to us. Like at one point, Faustus has this map and is like, yeah, we've narrowed down every single last one of these deviants and we've hunted them down and we're going to exterminate them, exterminate an entire species. Um, And I like that the movie doesn't give them a pass for that. Like it makes it complicated, as complicated of an issue as it is. Because you're, it's it's absolutely true. You know, they're just, they're created. They're just trying to survive. Like they were made to do and they're doing what any other species would do. You really can't blame them for that, you know? So I'd more blame yeah. Celestials. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't really know how good they are. I think they're, you know, they're really kind of not good. I don't know. I think they're... No, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be more coming on later. I mean, I don't know in the comics, like, what they are, how far it goes, but it just seems like they're definitely not going to be this good, like, you know, benevolent, like leaders or creators. You know what I mean? They're going to be some, there's some kind of more to it. So. Yeah. I think their argument for themselves would be like, they're not concerned with these petty individualistic matters because they have the entirety of the galaxy and the universe to be concerned with. Mm-hmm. So, it's all, you know, that's where humans dealing with just like bacteria and like uh, viruses, like, you know, but they're mm-hmm. trying to survive too. But yeah. yeah. Um, so Icarus is, uh, I would say like ends up being the main antagonist in the movie. I guess yeah. arguably the celestial, um, what's the big guy's name? Arishem. Yeah. But Icarus is like his main agent in yeah. this. And he's the guy who believes and betrays the team. Yeah. Cause he so strongly believes in like, I'm made for this. This is what I'm here for. I'm sticking by what this is, no matter what. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, no matter the, the, if some, if I, you know, somebody I love, my friends, my family, it's nothing's going to stop what this ultimate plan is. He's, you know, he's just that, that guy who's going to stick through, through everything. But I love Icarus and I love the, I love the Superman style uh, of uh, superpowers. I always have, like, it's just obviously the most badass. I don't know if he's as strong as Superman, but just the whole like lasers and flying. And if I had to choose anyone to be, it'd be him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah, he's the only one that can fly. I kind of took it for granted when I saw like trailers for this movie and I knew, Oh, there's going to be like 10 of these superheroes that, that like flight would just be a given like they would all be able to fly casually yeah um they would all be super strong they're all like super durable they all have that in common yeah i think exactly like they can all get thrown around and beaten up by deviants and they're not gonna die like a normal human but you know when it comes to them you know i think they all also kind of like icarus is also strong i mean i Mm -hmm. like gilgamesh world get to but he's the strong one, but I, I think Icarus still has some strength. I mean, he was like flying into a demon, like punching him around. So there's gotta be, yeah. this has gotta be like the main point. That's their main power. That's what they focus on. But it seems like they all kind of have some strength. Um, yeah. He kind of gets two. he gets flight and he gets the eye lasers. Yeah. And like, what's his name? Kingo. Kingo gets very similar, like energy ranged mm-hmm. blasting weapons from his hands. Yeah. Um, but Icarus gets that and flight. So it's kind of like he does get a little bit more gifts than the rest of the, the Eternals. Kind of makes me wonder why he's not the prime Eternal, but um, 
I guess it doesn't have to do with that. The thinkers, I guess, are more that, which is cool. We never talked about that, how they're broken up into the fighters and the thinkers, which they mentioned. In yeah. The, I think is cool. The ones who have more like almost like thought or manifesting powers. And then the ones who actually have more like firepower and strength and stuff like that, you know, which is kind of cool how it was broken down like that. Yeah, they're a very well-balanced D&D party. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they each make up for each other's strengths and weaknesses and yeah. stuff and balance each other out well. God, God, I wish I, I've got, I wish I knew D&D, but I believe you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, it's all, you know, it's all a big like monomyth and mono, mono nerd culture. So it all kind of yeah. uh, weaves into itself. <laughs> oh yeah, nerd culture's the shit. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about this actor, Richard Madden. Uh, I don't think you're like you're you've started watching Game of Thrones. You haven't gotten like too far into it, right? I think I'm like episodes. I'm like very much at the beginning. I'm when they like put the metal crown on the dude. I don't. Should I give any spoilers? That's very much at the beginning. Well, <laughs> well, I'm more worried about like spoiling things for you. Um, so maybe <laughs> maybe we should move past this this actor and Kit Harrington. I, uh, I will get to watching Game of Thrones again, so I don't want to. Spoil yeah. It's just, there's so much shit going around. I got to get back to it. And, you know, it's, it's a thinking, I got to really pay attention when I watch Game of Thrones because just the way my sporadic brain works when there's a lot of characters spread out in different, it, I, I need time to get it all together in my head. <laughs> yeah. I'll get there though. Um, it, it's cool. Yeah. Suffice to say, this guy is Rob Stark on, on Game of Thrones. Listeners, you know, like all the big things that happen with that character. So let's not spoil it for oh. Ryan. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So next character is Sprite, played by Leah McHugh. Sprite is like the one that's eternally a child. Uh, like they're put in this like child's body instead of like as opposed to the rest of them, which are put into adult bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and her power is uh, illusion magic. She, they can create like crazy illusions. She's like the Loki of, of the, the Eternals. <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. That's yeah, that's really astute. Although, she is like, yeah, her powers are very similar. Yeah, but it seems more like when Sprite manifests an illusion, it's it's not real. It's you, when Loki manifests something, it's real. Like it's there. He, like it's a knife you can stab somebody right. with and it kills like, them. But, yeah, blanket. That's a real blanket. When he made like the duplicates of them, and he like tossed the alligator look at, and they caught the they actually caught it like it was a real thing but when sprite manifests stuff like you saw when she was kind of trying to go on the date with that guy at the beginning and he tries to touch her hand and it goes right through like she's an illusion she's actually not it's really an illusion you know but loki's actually manifesting like for real which is kind of cool i just thought i that, that's a really good point yeah i guess like it's like classic loki like when classic loki was making an illusion of Asgard. And then when, when the, that seemed like it was an actual illusion though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's like Sprite's powers are similar yeah. in that. Like, yeah, it's just an illusion. Yes. Yes. It's not like a real Asgardian castle or, you know, building. So my question about Sprite was going to be, why do you think the Celestials put her in that body? And instead of an adult body, like the rest of the team? Well, I, I think that basically the reason why they, I mean, you can ask the same question of why they put like uh, a deaf person in there and everything. I think it has to do with blending in and they wanted the Eternals to blend into the human 
to humans. I mean, just, I mean, that's really the best, the best thing I can come up with is they, they just wanted them all to be different people who just blend in, whether they're, you know, different races, different ethnicities, accents, ages, just to cover all of humankind, you know, overweight. That's a good point. You know, I mean, like Fasto's is a little, little bulky, you know, he represents me. Woo. (laughs) Chunky boy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because that that does uh, create a shortcut to trusting or or feeling a certain way towards a stranger. Right. Like, y- you know, no matter who you are, when you see like most adults, um, you might feel a certain type of way. You might have certain type of like prejudices or like life experiences that just make put you on guard about certain people. Yeah. Um, but if it's a child, right. typically you feel protective. You don't feel on guard when like a child is around. You feel like yeah. you need to be protective of them. So I could like, that's definitely a practical yeah. uh, I like reason to have somebody like Sprite as one of them. Yeah. To- she could infiltrate or blend in or in a way that maybe an adult couldn't, which is interesting. Yeah. And she is, so it's interesting also, at one point, they kind of describe her as the Tinkerbell to Icarus's Peter Pan. And they, they, I think the joke is that that's where the Peter Pan story actually literally came from. Like they, it was one of her stories that she told um, and just used them as like stand-ins. And it really is like that because Sprite, just like Tinkerbell, has a crush on, on uh, this, this, fairy-like f- hero that can fly through magic wishes. Um, but because she is a fairy and he's, a, uh, I guess, a human. Yeah. Or whatever yeah. Peter Pan is. Yeah. <laughs> he can be- um, they can't be together. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It's absolute perfect, perfectly perfect comparison. Yeah. And they really set that up. Like when he shows up at the beginning, there's, there's a thing that happens where like Cersei and... Uh, John Snow get attacked by one of the deviants, and the very beginning with the bus, and is that with the bus? And she like turns the bus into a bunch of flowers, which is really cool looking. Uh, but then Icarus shows up to help them fight this deviant because mm-hmm. it's like stronger than any other deviants they've fought. Um, which we find out is because it it has Ajax power and it can heal itself. But Sprite immediately is like super happy to see Icarus. This is when we find out that you know Cersei and Icarus have this awkward past between each other. Um, they got married several hundred years ago or several, maybe thousand years ago. Yeah. And um, Sprite has always been jealous of Cersei because she's always wanted to be with Icarus. And it's just like this tragic, it tragic is. love triangle. Yeah, it's super tragic. <laughs> and, and I'm glad she kind of gets what she wants later on, you know? So she can mm. has to be like everyone else. That really does suck, you know? That's the one thing I thought, like, all right, the Celestials are creating these Eternals and cool, you need people who blend in and whatever, but you're going to make this this poor one, like, stuck in a kid's body for, like, all of eternity? I mean, that just, that's that's miserable. That sucks. <laughs> it, yeah. Because there's nothing, you just, physically, if your body is not going to evolve, there's nothing, like, uh, mentally, you can do whatever you want, but people are just never going to see you the same way, and that's just, that is... It's a shame. It's tragic. It sucks. It is. And and I and I like that again. Like they the movie doesn't just leave these characters with these problems. Like they're aware of them. They they comment on them. Yeah. Um they're very, yeah, it's very well set up and well 
well you, written, I think. At the, are we gonna like? Well, let's, are you gonna? You think that? <laughs> do you think that these um, characters, like, okay, do you think Sprite at the end when, like, she got changed back to being human? Do you think that she kept her? She still has her powers, or she was literally just flat out stripped of everything and made human, or is she still gonna have her powers and grow up and be able to do what she did but die? Because they never made that clear, and I don't know. I think in order, I like, I didn't actually think about it until this moment, but I think that in order for her to be human and be mortal, they would have to take away, like, she has to literally become a different type of being, and only a an Eternal can do the things an Eternal can do, so you don't, I don't think she still has her powers. So they, she was stripped, okay, all right, because I don't know. I don't know. I was just, I thought about it, it was like, you know, they said they were going to make her human, but... Is she going to be like a mutant now with like powers and but be human? But you know, I don't know. It also seems like anybody that died in this movie, there's a copy of their mind, right? Like on this database somewhere, and they could just be put into a new robot yeah, body because uh, at any point, they've right? Said they've died and lived multiple lives, and they keep coming back and go. You know, they just yeah. rebuild them and reload the map or do whatever they do. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't. I think that. They think it's tragedy, but I think in the long run, really, like, we could see Icarus again. He's just, they'll just reboot mm-hmm. a new body. It's like when that she was, when Erisham was showing, was showing uh, Cersei, you know, it showed, like, all the robots being built, and it kind of showed her being designed, and looked like there were multiple, like, v- versions. So, I like, I feel like yeah, it's kind of, like, it's just, you just keep making new ones. <laughs> they die you load the memory into a new or you don't even have to load the memory but you just make a new one and send them on their way yeah but arguably like this this sprite um fully their journey was like fully to live that life and then become a human and that's going to be the end of this particular like right yeah sprite they have uh and then yeah default bodies to <laughs> like you know, yep. whatever but this one is now human yeah because like in any c and any of the sequels they could bring back sprite they could bring back ajak they could bring back icarus you know yeah um or maybe it was just maybe it was just a a, a storyline to they don't have to deal with the aging of the actor as a robot <laughs> hey that's another good point yeah man that's another really good point <laughs> I didn't think of that. That's smart. Yeah. Um, so Ajak, we've mentioned Ajak a few times. This is Selma Hayek's character. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, when all the Eternals are together and like a real team for the brief period of time, we get to see them as a team. Mm-hmm. She's the leader yeah. and she has a healing power, which makes her like incredibly valuable to the team. Um, and so because she's the leader, that means that she is able to commune with Erishem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erishem is like the main big celestial in this movie Who I thought from all the promo stuff Was going to be Galactus Yeah, I think that they're going to use this To move into Galactus though the, Like, you know, he's going to be s- Some kind of enemy to the celestials or so- I, bet, I bet because they've now introduced Gigantic, like, planet-sized beings It's now, you know, easier for us to move into Galactus <laughs> <laughs> fully agree yeah they've laid the groundwork <laughs> right to make something that insane more palatable exactly. um as like the next maybe like main villain of the of the mcu at, yeah. at some point yeah because uh which i think is really cool and i think it's cool the, the way they've set it up 
No, it's awesome. I think it's great. Because, you know, you got to get to this stuff. You want to do this stuff. This is part of the MCU. Celestials are part of it. You know, we got we to gotta see this stuff. And yeah. see a better person. So, uh, what did you say? Sorry. <laughs> I said I'm going to be a better person for it. um so ajak is leader for a long time and there is a point where uh it's man i think it's when they're in mesopotamia Mm. or no no it's way after that it's like the spanish inquisition i think where um uh basically uh athena starts to lose her mind and she gets this condition called mad weary which um, did you, could you like give an explanation of what mad weary is? I'm like, the words are failing me yeah. of how to describe it. Like when their brains have been filled with so many memories that they can no longer really contain it or whatnot. So, you know, you've been around for 7,000 years and the brain just can't hold that much memory. So she kind of starts kind of shorting out a little bit. It's like literally when you're like your computer's hard drive gets full. Right. And it starts to do weird things. And like, it's cause you're trying to print memories on top of memory on top of memory. And all those memories from the past kind of start bleeding through into the new memories. So, you know, it's kind of like when you keep erasing a disc and erasing a disc and I think mm-hmm. quality of the recordings are going to get shittier and you got the stuff from the past <laughs> bleeding through into, you know, so yeah. they're remembering past planets that have been destroyed. And yeah, so it's a basic, basic gist of it. And it makes sense, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, how much memories can your brain hold? I guess we've never really been pushed to that. But when you've been around for 7,000 years, you start to be like, oh, my, you know. And also, like when they even, uh, it's millions of years, isn't it? Like at, um, at the end of the day, they think it's been 7,000 years, but it's really been millions. 7,000 is actually just that erased block of memory. Yeah. So there's just yep. millions, you're right, exactly. Millions of years of memories. And uh, this this is something Ajax can't heal. And so there's this this like sort of a split starts to happen in the group. The group starts to get splintered a little bit. And what I, the final straw is that like Druig gets mad because once again, uh, humans are, are trying to genocide each other yeah. and he wants to use his powers of mind control to step in and prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like Ajax as the leader is kind of like, well, I mean, Erishem's will is we're a little bit laissez-faire. Like we just, we kind of observe and report. We don't really yeah. meddle that on that level um, that deeply. Yeah. Um, so the so ultimately, like this leads to Druig deciding to split from the group. Um, Gilgamesh decides to stay with Thena, and everybody kind of goes their separate ways. Yeah. Um, and Ajax ends up on like a farm in South Dakota. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's, it was like a ranch or little half a ranch or something. Yeah. And you know, Druig takes the like the, what the Aztecs and like brings them into you know, mind controls them into their own like little cult type thing. And, um, which is, it's very culty, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I think it's kind of cool how he takes these group of people, just keeps them separate and just, so he's basically just controlling this group of people to like, make sure there's no interference. They've gone generations of just being mind controlled. I'd like to see, yeah. I'd love to see more detail into that. That's kind of interesting to me. Uh, yeah, that has some pretty like weird implications. Yeah, like maybe he just eliminated their 
ability to like fight and quarrel with each other and just to live peacefully. I don't know how far it went in, but that's kind of interesting how he was like, you know, he could just like control everybody. He, like he even said at one point, I think I, I, I could just control everyone's mind and just make them just be peaceful or whatever, you know, he like how much withholding does it take to have that power that I could just make this world a better place, but you, mm-hmm. you have to hold back and you have to hold back and you can't do it when you know you, you could, which is gotta be kind of crazy. So, I mean, he takes yeah. a small sample and he goes into the forest and creates his little cult uh, and does it on his own, which is kind of interesting. I, I think that's cool. I actually really liked his character and I liked, you know, I like the actor and the way he did it. I thought Druid was cool. I know we're not to. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, but I do. I do like that. And I like how they like they again, they sh- they give each of these characters like a problem. They give yeah. each of them some kind of flaw that they have to deal with. And his is like this frustration, this, yeah. this you know, like they're, they, they've been these 10 Eternals have been cast to be like the parents of humanity. Yeah, pretty much. And they have to like stand back and not interfere when they know that they can mm-hmm. when the, when their kids are doing stupid stupid things and hurting each other yeah and that's got to be so frustrating and druid really really like takes that i think he uh to time out of out of anybody cuz he's what i think he's what? That's the hardest time out of anybody dealing with that I mean, clearly yeah i think it's cuz he has the most opportunity and the power to just change it very quickly it's like man i could just control all these people and make them just forget all this anger and hate and but like you know he's not supposed to do that so you can't not only not not only because he uh could do it and not only because like the, that is his power set i feel like he he's probably the most connected to humanity out of everyone because he literally gets inside their minds. Like he can think like they do. He can hear their inner thoughts. Like yeah. he can inhabit their mind. And and so that mean, means he's directly connected to them. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah. It's feeding right into their brain power and he can totally see the humans for what they are. And none of the other ones can, you know, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Ajak, when Ajak gets betrayed by, Icarus in in what is like what I felt they didn't have to bother to make this like a murder mystery. It was very very obvious who killed her, <laughs> uh, and where I don't know. Well, actually, maybe let me ask you: Was it obvious? I, I feel I feel like when Icarus showed up on the scene, there was something about the way he was introduced. There was something about the way Cersei was talking about like he's been gone for several hundred years. That when Ajax shows up dead, and he's like. Oh yeah, uh, uh, deviants did this. I'm like, mm, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I think I know who the murderer is. Pretty obvious, short way in that yeah. you know things weren't. <laughs> that's the way it was going to work out. Like he was definitely going to be the asshole. I mean, I so you clocked you clocked that right away too. Did, but I also think that they definitely tried to lead you thinking Druig was going to be the bad guy. They almost made it seem like he was the one who he kept saying like he, he wanted to take control of the people and it almost felt like i thought at a point he was going to take control and he was going to do something shitty but i that's fair that's fair. i think ultimately icarus had that when he came right in he just he, it did seem a little obvious just you know it just seemed it did but it was all right you know what you know what i think you know what i think it is ryan 
I think it's I think it's because the boys. I think it's because you and I both watched the boys, and this oh. guy is giving off strong Homelander vibes, right? Him and Homelander are high fiving after this. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> similar vibes to the T. Similar power set. Power. Similar kind of look. Um, I think Icarus is obviously a little more uh, uh, sympathetic, empathetic, whatever you want to say toward humans than Homelander is, obviously, but. Uh, I agree with that. But I agree it, with that. They, they both have different reasons for doing what they do, but yeah, they both have the same vibe of that. All right. This is, it's kind of an asshole, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then, so when Ajax is found dead, the other thing you said, I think you said this earlier, um, you were kind of surprised Icarus wasn't chosen to be the leader and Ajax has this, this like, what looks like an infinity stone in, in her throat and it comes out <laughs> and it chooses Cersei and it goes into Cersei yeah. and she becomes, and like, that's what makes her the leader. That's it's like her, she gets this two way uh, Blackberry, whatever in, in, installed in her. <laughs> um, so she's able to talk to Arishem now. Yeah. Which, which is cool. I mean, was that, I'm trying to remember was, did Ajax choose that or did she die and it just came out, went into her before there was any kind of like choosing? It's a good question because I think that I choose you, Cersei. And it like shot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she had any like dramatic last words or whatever. I, I, I feel like it was a thing where she like left it in her will. Like the moment she knew she was going to die uh, when Icarus pushed her into the, into the ice cave and the deviants were like surrounding her. She probably like, rewrote that the terms of her will so that thing will like yeah. only be released and transferred to who the the most deserving on the team which she determined to be cersei because yeah. you were saying earlier like it makes on paper it makes the most sense for icarus icarus to be the next in line yeah. um in terms of power set in terms of you know experience i guess but i guess there's also like maybe that little in you know infinity throat thing whatever we're going to call it, yeah. uh, it accounts for character. It accounts for yeah. who they are and what they're going to do with this power. I think that's that's true, too. Uh, I think definitely who is more of the leader type person. Icarus clearly had those evil vibes. And it seems yeah, it's, they like to choose the thinker ones as more of the leaders because they're just maybe more intellectual and they, you know, chill back in the and do their thing leading while they send the fighters out to do their stuff. I mean, maybe that makes more sense. I think it kind of maybe does. Absolutely. It's the sword and the stone. It's Excalibur. It's Mjolnir. Yeah. Uh, so last thing I was saying, oh yeah, I was comparing Ajax, like Ajax sort of like choosing her successor, kind of like, like Odin did, like it's Mjolnir. It's the, he only, who they, they who are worthy, whoever is whoever is worthy, whoever shall wield. What's do you know the end? The has to do with Irishim too. He's probably knows what's happening, and he's doing. He, he's kind of help guiding, maybe. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next Eternal, okay. uh, Kingo. Kingo played by Kumail Nanjani. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's what he's the man. <laughs> He was great. He was he was like the most Marvel uh, character in this movie. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I appreciated that greatly. We needed a little of that. He was the perfect comic relief and it was great. <laughs> but he was also. Yeah. Cool. So he was also what? badass and cool. 
So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was really a mix of everything. I really liked him. And his little, who was it? His, assi- his assistant. God, what was his name? Uh, oh, Karun. Karun, yes. <laughs> his valet. It's, it's valet like Alfred. Yes, he was the man. He was like making the documentary. I thought that was just, just so funny. Like his whole like thing was just great. I loved it. <laughs> Kingo Kingo uh, does does something in this movie that I have thought about a lot. If I had eternal life, like if I magic, because I, I, for whatever reasons, a lot of movies, a lot of stories have 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 made me think down this road and like, think a lot about this. Like, what if I had eternal life? Like, what if I lived forever? Um, and I was still living on this planet though. And like, and like engaging in society as society is evolving. And this is something I've specifically thought about doing, like having a a movie career (laughs) and convincing people that every generation it's your like son or grandson or whoever. It's just such a fun concept. I think it's funny as hell. I thought it was awesome. (laughs) He's just like Mm -hmm. Bollywood dynasty out of just. (laughs) 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 It's really, it really, that's, that's hilarious. And I just, it's like, obviously like Nandiani, is hilarious. Is that his name? Yeah, Kumail Nanjiani. Nanjiani, yeah. He's he's so funny, and I, I uh, remember him from uh, Silicon Valley, and he was really fun. Mm-hmm. It's just he's really good. Uh, and he, so the, the, the other thing I liked about this character, too, is um, it's it was really surprising to me at the end of the movie that he... He didn't really side with age with um, Icarus. Yeah, but he was like, you know what? I can't fight against it, Icarus. He kind of like agreed, but he wasn't. I guess he wasn't willing to fight his own family and friends for that. Mm-hmm. You know that it wasn't. He was almost the guy who took the neutral ground and said, "I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out." Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm backing out. You guys do what you need to do. You know, I'm, I can't do this. Which I. I can relate to that. I'm a very neutral kind of guy. So I can, I can relate to the guy, you know, I really can. I understand that people have their feelings and their thoughts and I don't want to get involved. I'm going to leave you handle it. And uh, yeah, it's uh it also, it, it would be less interesting if the climax of this movie was five on five, like the, the you know, the, they split right down the middle and their ideology is one or the other. Yeah. Like it's, it makes more sense that out of 10 of them, there'd be multiple ways of looking at the situation. And he's just like, yeah, neither of you, I don't want to fight either of you. So exactly. I'm out. Like, this is, this is kind of silly. I don't want anything to do with this. You know, that's kind of how I would be. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I get people take sides and they do what they got, but there's always that person who is going to see both kind of ways of it and be like, you know, like, I kind of, I don't want to hurt my family, but I kind of understand where he's coming from. You know how they don't. I mean, you got to put yourself in their shoes. They don't know what Airsham's gonna do or can do if they don't like do this. You know, this is this is this is huge. You know, this choice could 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 mean the universe, could mean the planet, whatever. It's just this is a big this is a big choice. Like these huge celestials who like run the universe are saying this it takes a lot to go against that. So. But it takes a little bit less to be neutral. <laughs> so, you know, then maybe that's, you know, the way to go. 
The next Eternal on our list is Fastos, um, oh. played by Brian Tyree Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, how, okay, I, I, I wrote down inventions. How would you describe what his power is? Well, he almost like, like manifests inventions from cosmic energy. I feel mm-hmm. most manifest these inventions from cosmic energy for humans or people to then kind of build on from there. So, but then it actually shows him constructing weapons and using them at the end. Like he's like, yeah, those like disc laser fucking cosmic energy. The chains, the chains that he holds Icarus yeah, down with. Exactly. Like, so it's more than just coming up with an idea and it's like he's actually manifesting these the, these actual weapons and creations which is kind of cool it's almost similar to Thena, but not quite it's almost more like mechanical mechanisms opposed to like a straight sword or you know like you know knives swords daggers is what Thena kind of creates but he's almost like creating these in-depth inventions and, you know, because it shows him, like, almost manifest, like, the steam engine and the, you know, it shows, like, him creating these things in an image, but then they also manifest, too. So, um, yeah, I believe that he actually is creating and manifesting inventions or mechanics or whatever basically is necessary. All the way up to yeah. kernels, like, all the way up to their level of technology, all the way down to the base mm-hmm. of human technology. So, it, there's a, I think he, he's... Cool. He has a lot of cool powers, I feel. I think he's actually creating or manifesting inventions out of cosmic energy. Mm. I do too. And I would I would compare his mind to like the mind of Tony Stark. Like he's able to think in terms of like blueprints mm-hmm. and mechanics and how things fit together. And he's able to create these amazing inventions that can like be almost autonomous and like you know do do things on their own too is my um like a uh, an inventor like a engineer it's like it's all about creating and how to make this the best yeah yeah but instead of having to um, it, he can manifest it so i think that's kind of more of the cool aspect of it like his brain can think of it but then he can actually create it pony yep. stark who has to find the materials or invent the materials or it's a, he has the quick, he has a quick way out, you know, the magic way. He has the magic way. <laughs> um, awesome. And he, I'm going to save this, but uh, the next thing I was going to say, cause I have my lose big three and this is, he's like, um, on my lose big three. So the only, uh, the only thing I want to say about Fastos is, um, this is a great openly gay character for the oh, MCU. Yeah. Uh, we find out later on, like he kind of noped out of what the rest of the Eternals were doing. He actually like hung up his blueprint mind and was like, I don't want to, you know, do, um, I don't want to do inventions anymore. I don't want to build weapons anymore. Uh, he had this, he had this really bad experience giving, giving us the idea, I guess, giving Oppenheimer the idea for the nuclear bomb. And he was devastated by like what we use that for. And so he decides to just have a quiet life. Mm-hmm. Uh, get married and, and have a kid and um, have like a little, and just be a family, family, family man. For, yeah. For, well, yeah. That's, you know, you need the guy who's going to be like that, you know, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of passive. I don't really want to deal with this stuff. I want to just, I've really built something here with these humans and I want to stick with that and I want to live here and be with them. And he's kind of like, he's kind of like that guy, you know? 
he's kind of like Tony Stark in Endgame. Like I have a family now. I have something to protect. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And you know, this could be a disaster for what I've built and I kind of like where I'm at. So he's kind of hesitant when they come back to kind of recruit him, you know, like because of that reason. Fun little detail when he's first, uh, when he's first like interacting with early humans, um, one of the inventions that he gives them is the wheel. And when we see him, when the Eternals like are on their roadshow, like gathering everybody on um, their Muppets, like roadshow to get the, get the team back together. Um, they, they, uh, they encounter him fixing a, a bicycle wheel, his son's bicycle wheel. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was like a cute little, yeah, little that, connection. That's awesome. Yeah. Never put that to into, um, yeah. Our next Eternal is Fina, uh, maybe like one of the biggest names in this movie, um, but doesn't have the most screen time for sure. Angelina Jolie. Yes. Which I thought, she, I thought it was really cool. I thought she was great. It was a little, no, I thought, I thought it was great. <laughs> I like, mm-hmm. I liked her a lot. Um, yeah, she put in a great performance. Like she was very reserved, but like her, I loved everything she was doing. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And I'm glad that someone, someone of her caliber, like really wanted to be in the MCU. And, uh, I'm actually surprised now that I bring that up, the fact that her and Selma Hyatt, like they got some pretty big names to, to, to be in this, which is, oh yeah which is kind of cool for one and obscure, you know, it's an obscure MCU movie. And two, these are big names. They can kind of pick and choose. Like, ah, I don't want to get involved with that. Now I got to keep mm-hmm. popping up for the next 10 years at random, like, you know, like, but I think it's cool that especially Angelina Jolie, I, I feel like she could be definitely popping up again. And I think she absolutely, could, I want to see more of what happens to her, like with her memory and how that goes and, yeah, and I'm sure we will because she's on the at the end of the movie. She's on the uh, what was it the dope? What's the name of their plane? The uh, plane, <laughs> their ship, <laughs> single. Their uh, flying Kit Kat bar. That's the, uh no the the domo? what's what was it called? Domo. Domo. Is that what it was? I don't know. I didn't write didn't write that down on my cheat sheet. Um. I maybe <laughs> off the top of your head, but no. But the, yeah. So uh, yeah, the ship. The ship. <laughs> yeah. So her power we talked about is like energy weapons that she just creates out of, out of wherever. Um, she's given me strong. Uh, uh, she's given me a lot of like Wonder Woman vibes because with her sword and shield that she likes to do a lot. Usually it's, it's like a spear, um, but it could be like basically anything. Yeah, she can basically. Yeah, exactly. She turns like basically the energy into whatever the hell she wants. But I like it's very cooler, fluid, like uh, movements, ball- very ballet ish almost. Maybe almost kind of like in Shang Chi, the, uh, the when she's doing the you know uh, when when he goes into the the uh, the village there and she's kind of riding the wind doing all the it's almost kind yeah that extreme but it's got that very glidey she's very fluid which I thought yeah, was like really- that wushu kind of vibe yeah. and she is. Um, we talked a bit like her, she has the mad weary mm-hmm. and uh, Gilgamesh is the next person we're going to talk about who like, who decide he's the strongest one. And he decides uh, he's going to stay with Thina when she gets this mad weary and she's losing her mind and she chooses not. Oh, I, you know, I misspoke earlier. Selma Hayek can reset her. She can fix this, but it, but it would take away 
um, in theory, her personality yes. and like who she is. So she decides, I don't want to do it. I want to be me. I want to like keep my memories. And Gilgamesh makes the decision. I'm going to stay with her and be like, and just, you know, she's a loose cannon, but I'm going to make sure because I'm the strongest that she doesn't, you know, cause collateral damage. One with the ability to stop her. Cause you know, she's the, she's the, the like battle hardened warrior kind of, you know, so you need someone with strength like Gilgamesh to be able to, to handle her pretty much after he's baiting she that can handle her. So, you know, you need, mm-hmm. and he's one of the, and clearly he must like love her or some, something, or they even had a relationship or he loves her. They didn't get clear with it, but there's definitely something there. Yeah. There's definitely like a very strong, there's a, so a lot of the, the, the Eternals, like there's like a strong bond between two or three of them in particular. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely one of the, like Thena and Gilgamesh, uh, as much as, you know, they like the whole entire, they like everybody on the team. They have a stronger bond between the two of them. Yeah. Um, and Thena gets this really cool moment at the end too, where she's the one that takes down Crow. She's the one that takes down like the main bad guy deviant, quote unquote bad guy. I think, I think, I think it's a little unfair to call him a bad guy. So I regret using that word. <laughs> uh, but she's the one that takes him down because he uh, he kills Gilgamesh, take absorbs his power, and at one point he's like holding uh, Angelina Jolie and like binding her hands behind her. But that's like her power is perfect for that situation because she just manifests like an energy blade, cuts herself free, and then in one motion <laughs> slices his head off. And it's a really really cool moment. It was awesome. Um. But he was badass, Crow. I thought he was cool, and I yeah. wish there was a little more of him. But, you know, it's all right. The real, I think the real villain were the Celestials, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. But, um, you know, Crow was cool, and that was awesome. I loved how she did that, too. Yeah, Crow was cool. He was badass. Um, he, and also sympathetic, like we talked about. Like, it's not, he's doing what he was what he was built and programmed to do yeah. and he's trying to survive and, and he gets, he gets to defend his position on that. And I like that a lot. It's not like, it's not an underwritten mustache twirling villain. It's <laughs> like, this is my monologue. Like I just want to live, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to, I'm not Dr. Eviling anything. Yeah. I like it when they do that with the villain or bad guy, you have a perception that they're evil, but then you kind of sympathize with them as it goes along. Like they're not really the ones who are the shitheads here? You know, there's something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I like that. Uh, so Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is played by Don Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, this He's the barbarian of the group. He's the strongest one. He can take the most hits. Uh, Hounds people. I love the part where he just like bitch slaps <laughs> one, of the, one of the deviants. He's like, bah! Just slams him mm-hmm. back down to the ground. That was awesome. <laughs> Which made it all the more surprising that he was one of the ones that gets taken out in this movie. Like he and our Ajax are the only two that um, that out of the ten that die. Yeah. In this movie, and I was really surprised that he was one of them. I, I was too. I would never. I really would never have guessed that he would be the one that died. I thought it would be like Ajax and Thena, to be honest. Mm-hmm. The two big stars who signed on for one movie. I know. I always think of things logically, like in that term, but. I think of things like that, like, you know, the actors in the real world, and why did they write it like this here? And that's kind of what I thought. All right, you got Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. They're not going to sign on for multiple movies. So 
they're, you know, they're going to kill him in this one. But I was really surprised that Angelina Jolie lives and it seems like her story is continuing, which is awesome. That actually, that actually makes a lot of sense. I was, I was setting myself up to believe like, uh, we're going to see like, Icarus. Uh, oh, Icarus. Yeah. He's the, okay. Yeah, that's right. But he takes himself out, like case in point. You know, nothing really defeats him. He, the sun is what defeats him. <laughs> he flies too close to the sun. He does. Packed um, into it. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah. So, but yeah, I, I was really surprised. I I would have put my money on like Druig or or like one of the thinkers of the team. Yeah. Uh, to get taken out because they are less you know strong in combat, but. But yeah, it's really tragic when he dies and gets absorbed into Crow. It is. Um, kind of turns him more like human too, which, so he clearly like, he get, he like stands up like on two legs once he gets, once he absorbs Gilgamesh, right? That's when he becomes mm-hmm. Crow, the Crow, not <laughs> just Crow. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's I think the first time that he's able to talk, right? Exactly. He gets that and that's when he stands up and he's able to talk and he gets the full the full uh, humanoid thing going, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Gilgamesh is the man. I like him. I love the strong guy. You know, he just rolls in. It's all about brute force. Bah, bah. And it's cool. I love it. He, he's the Hulk of the team, right? Exactly. He's like... <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> uh, he also makes apparently a really good mead or some kind of like, you know, drink. I don't know. I forget what they called it, but he... <laughs> Yeah, he ferments each kernel of corn. <laughs> he's, he's like, boom. <laughs> uh, the spit beer. <laughs> spit beer. Um, all right, so next on the list is our boy Druig. Uh, the, yeah, Druig is played by Barry Keoghan, who um, I can't remember. I've seen him in one thing, and I can't remember what it was, but he's going to be in the new Batman movie. Um, I know that much. Oh, is he? Oh, that's yeah. He's gonna be like one of the cop, one of the like the Gotham PD. Oh, nice, because I actually really like that guy. I thought he was yeah, just his look and his whole demeanor. I thought was was really cool, and his accent. It was just it was really good. <laughs> I liked. I really liked him. I was he was one of my biggest pleasant surprises of the movie. I I really enjoyed his performance. I liked this character a lot and I liked his power a lot. It was really cool. I liked the conflict mm-hmm. that we talked about where like he knows he can stop all these wars yeah. and all of these conflicts and and he's his his orders, his programming is you know telling him not to. Yeah. Um and he, and I like that he re, he resists that. And his little relationship with Makari, I, I think that's really cool the way that subtly done and but cool. Uh, that was cool too, which we'll move on to her. She's next, but, uh, he is next. <laughs> not, not the least, like not my least favorite. I thought Makari was awesome. Her power yeah. is awesome. And like something that the, the MCU hasn't really had yet yeah. is like a speedster. Well, they did um, silver, but it was a one-off, well, two off, I guess if you count WandaVision, but yeah (laughs) differently i loved the way they filmed the speed scenes and it wasn't Mm -hmm. it was different than what you've seen with you know the slow motion with quicksilver and x-men you know they do the slow motion with the and he's just kind of like it's just cool how like they changed the way it was done it was cool and original and the fight at the end when she was fighting um 
uh, Icarus. It was really cool. Like she was running into him, like, like it was cool. It was badass. <laughs> yeah. That full, I liked her a lot. Speed, you know, it was cool. Um, yeah, her power was, was really, really cool. And, um, this actor, Lauren Ridloff is the actors is deaf in real life. She is also on the walking dead. She plays a, a deaf character on that show as oh, well. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. And, uh, so it's, I think it is like, it's an interesting aspect of like how we were talking about earlier when we were talking about Sprite, like it's, it's, you know, something you would, it's, you would like wonder why if the celestials are designing the eternals to be like whatever beings they want them to be and they can control, you know, what abilities they have and what kind of things they can and can't do. Um, it's interesting that, that they would make one that is like non-hearing, Yeah. but I like what you said about earlier. And I think the same thing applies where it makes, it makes her more relatable to certain people. Exactly. You can, you blend into society. No one suspects much, you know, no one's going to suspect the deaf person is like a superhero. Of course they can be, but I mean, in terms of what a celestial putting people on earth is going to think, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we're, we'll put in a deaf person, a kid, an overweight guy, you know, whatever, just normal people so that they just blend in with normal society. Like, it's just, it just makes sense to me in that way, you know? You yeah. Just, bunch of normal but not all the same regular fit just normal bodied human people like you want a variety of different people that blend into different different social groups different ethnicities different whatever just it just works that way i think it's good it was perfect to be that way you know because you're trying to make these 10 people who blend into society you need different aspects of society to to mix so that's and they even they even show her like using it to her advantage at one point because she's making this trade uh with these like early people um this early civilization she's making like this trade with a group of people and they're underestimating her and yeah. talking about her behind her back talking behind her back about how they're gonna like swindle her mm-hmm. um and she's just like yeah you know what I'm, i may not be able to hear you but i know what you're doing i know what you're saying i can sense it stupid i'm dead um <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, it's, and so I think like on a metal level, it's also just really cool and very important that like people have all these different heroes that they can relate to because this cast is so diverse and they're, you know, willing to cast people who are deaf as a superhero. I just think that's very, very Fantastic. cool on a, on every level. Cause being a deaf person in the real world, do you, re- did you really think that there's ever going to be a superhero that represents me? And I think that's mm. that somebody did that, which yeah. if, if, you know, you'd want somebody that you can look up to if you were a deaf person in society. Oh, you know, I think it's great. You give yeah. everybody their representation and their people and, you know, and like, it, and it's very, it's also very believable because like Daredevil has been a superhero for, you know, since forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's blind. So it's. Yes. It's. Yeah. 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 You're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck shit. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is the, the 10 Eternals. And uh, so, Ryan, yes. that leads us to the section of the podcast that we like to call Lose Big Three. Dun, dun. Um, do you have a theme song for the listeners this week? Oh, if not, I'm just going to use one of the ones you've, we've already recorded. Just use one we've already recorded. 
<laughs> All right, awesome, awesome. So we're we're gonna play that here. Lose big three, just you and me with lose big three. Here we go. Lose big three. Da, 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 you and me. Da, 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 here we go. It's Lou and me. It's lose big three. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, all right. So lose big three. Number one. Um, I think we've already actually talked discussed this, but is Galactus gonna show up in phase four? No, not phase four. I think they're gonna um, maybe they'll hint allude towards the thing, but I I think he'll be more phase five. Okay. You know, we gotta build into this phase will build into something like that. He'll be maybe mentioned in the background with Kang doing his thing and and all them, but I don't think he'll be in, I don't think it'll culminate in this phase. So, okay. So like Loki was the main villain of phase one. Uh, Cause in the Avengers, he was the main villain. Avengers two, the main villain was Ultron Avengers three slash four. Yeah. Um, it was Thanos. So who's going to be the next that in phase four, even though Loki was the villain in phase one behind the scenes, it was always Thanos. So you have your main villains, but you have a big bad who's lurking in the background. Who's going to come up Mm -hmm. that maybe could be Galactus here, but I almost, it could be Kang too. Like Kang, the conqueror could keep going into more phases yeah, I, I think Galactus is coming later, but it's building to it. You, I, I think it's going to be fa- not this phase, but phase five. So maybe in six, seven years, we'll see. Ugh, that seems a long ways off. Five years? <laughs> I don't think it's in phase four, but it's coming. It's coming. He's okay. definitely, you can't say we're not going to have Galactus. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, lose big three. Number two, did Fastos create the 10 rings that we saw in Shang-Chi and the 10 rings? That's a great question. <laughs> and I thought about this myself and looks wise. I've tried to look at it physically. They do not look like they are the same thing. I know it's okay. incidents like 10 rings, 10 rings, but they seemed like their power their powers were different. They looked different. Um, it's almost like too much of a coincidence though. Like 10 guys, 10 rings, 10 rings. Like you think like, God, man, this is, <laughs> this has got to be something. Right. But I think I really do think they're different. Cause they were, they were pretty vague in Shang-Chi about the origin. They of, were. Like, they were like, yeah, it, they came from uh, a meteor or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they were just found in, uh, buried in the ground. So one possible explanation, I, I agree. I don't think that this is actually what it's leading to. But one possible explanation is that Fastos uh, created them for like, for and, would, and decided like, well, these are going to be a gift to help humanity move forward and, and, and develop and evolve. Um, but somebody else on the team was like, that is just like with the plow or the compromise with uh, the steam engine and he compromised to give them just the plow for now. Like that could have been a thing where he invented it. He got all excited to make it. And then someone was like, you can't give that to them now. It's too early. And they just buried it. But Shang-Chi's father found where it was buried. And that led to bigger problems because they never should have been made in the first place. Um, Just the fun, like fan theory that I had, 
But again, I don't, I, I you and I think I agree on this. I don't think it's actually going to be the explanation for it. Yeah. I, I love that theory and it's fun, but I just don't think that they would like do two big things related to the 10 rings, two movies in a row. I mean, it's yeah. going to space things out and to then have this, Maybe, but then again, the connection is cool. Maybe down the road, the but I ultimately just don't. I don't think they're 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 related. I, the coincidence is strong, but but when you see the the ten rings in 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 you know doing their thing, and when you see Fastos in the rings and they're doing, they just don't seem like they have the same energy or anything that's magic or anything. It's, it seems different. The only real yeah. coincidence I see is there's 10 of them in their rings. <laughs> That's it. Beyond that. Beyond the beyond. 10 rings, 10 rings, but otherwise. <laughs> No, I mean, it is, it is fair because it's no, like the, the only the only similarities between a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a chicken sandwich is that they're both a sandwich. But other, <laughs> there's a big, big difference. There is. They're the same, but there's a big difference at the same time. <laughs> you know? No, I, I, I fully agree. I don't know why that made me laugh so much. Though. <laughs> <laughs> they're not the same except for the exact reasons of the same. Yeah. <laughs> okay that's okay <laughs> i agree i totally agree it's not the same um all right so so lose big three number three um so I, I this is like the fun question i wanted to save this for last if you could have uh any one of the eternals powers which one would you want to have easily icarus no doubt beyond a shadow of a doubt that's always being able to fly and shoot lasers out of my eyes I just want to look like a badass. That's <laughs> that's what it comes down to when I'm a superhero. So if I could like float into a party like they do, and like and then shoot my lasers out, and you see this beautiful fucking my eye lasers and my beautiful physique. I mean, I'm I'm taking Icarus. I'm in flight. Fucking lasers. I mean, you can't. You just can't lose. What about you, Lou? Well, so t- I have two sub questions. Um, oh, okay. I, no, I, I, sorry, I just have one sub question okay. to that. So, since you chose Icarus, what if the what if you could only have the flight but not the laser beams? Would you still no still take that? No. no? If I was super strong, maybe. Okay, but just flying to me has always been pretty weak. Like everyone's like, I'd love to fly. I mean, flying would be cool, but if I have nothing else but flying, what am I really going to do in like a battle? Like I need to have something. I could just fly away. Yeah. I mean, well, no, you also, I mean, you still get the strength. um, If I have the strength in flight, then the strength in flight, the laser. Yeah. But I'm taking, I'm taking with the laser beams though. The laser beams can go. Okay. I take this flying in the strength. The laser beams just add like, a, that's like a bonus question on the test. Like, oh, do I have <laughs> eyes? Cool. <laughs> but <laughs> I could just fly in and bust somebody into the clouds. I'm cool with that too. <laughs> it's the it's the prize in the cereal box. Like you're going to, the cereal yeah. is what you want, but the prize it just makes it a little bit better. Exactly. Um, and laser eyes. So too. I've thought about this a lot. Like 
I'll be honest, Druig's power is really tempting, but I'm, I think any human being should be worried about like what they would do with that power. <laughs> um, uh, like, I think, I think I would be tempted to like try to solve the world's problems and end up just causing bigger problems or like forming a cult because I don't yeah. want people to hurt each other. And like, that's a ultimately very misguided yeah. way to help people. Um, so I'd be worried about like having that power um, but it would be cool, but I've thought about this a lot and the Icarus is really tempting for all the reasons that you said, but I would argue Fastos's power. If you had Fastos's power, you could probably make like a jet pack and like fly around with it. Right. You could yep. probably make, it wouldn't be the same as just being able to inherently fly, but you could probably make something. Yeah. Um, he could make like a laser gun. He could make, I don't know, rocket boots so he could run really fast. That's, that's, you're right. <laughs> um, but there's something about it being part of my abilities that just makes it more badass. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. it's part of your abilities because you created it and that my ability, my ability is to create this jetpack, but it's still not the same. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take any of their powers any day. <laughs> but if you're telling me I have to pick, I'm going Icarus, even without the laser eyes. I mean, for yeah. I don't even need to think about it. That's just me. Like Tony Stark can do a lot of cool stuff with his suits, but like it's it's cooler to be Thor. Like when you're Thor, like you just have magic, you can call down lightning, you can fly, you you can live for fifteen for thousands of years. <laughs> like yeah, because just think about how many times Tony's out of his suit chilling with Thor and Captain America and all them. And if they like decided they could just snap his fucking neck and kill him immediately. <laughs> you have, <laughs> yeah, you have a weakness. It's true. You're out of your suit. You're a human. I mean, mm -hmm. you're awesome. You're a genius. You can create all this technology, but the fact still remains. You step out of that suit. You're a human. You're, they can break you in half. I'd rather be, have the innate abilities any day. Like, Good point. Just I exactly like being Thor. Thor it might be the person I character, God, whatever I'd want to be the most. Just yeah. Because he just he's just cool all around. His personality's cool. He's super strong. He's got this cool ass fucking hammer. He's mm -hmm. pulling like lightning and shit. I mean, Thor's badass. Thor's awesome. He's up, he's really That's his way up in my list of uh, superheroes that I think are great. I'd say Thor or Captain Marvel, but we don't know what Captain Marvel's lifespan is. Yeah. So, like, Thor could arguably live longer. Yeah. So, he's that'd like, be the better choice. 1,500 years, and he only looks like he's, like, what, 35, 40? So, yeah. <laughs> who knows how much longer he's got? All right, Ryan, uh, this is a section of the podcast that we call What's Your Snack? Ryan, what's your snack? Also, um, can you, do you think you could, like, improvise a What's Your Snack uh, theme song? No, but if you want to know what the snack I had was when I went and saw this movie, I'll tell you what it was. Bottle of water. And mm. that's it. That's all I had. That's it. I kept it very simple. I like to just sometimes, you know why? Because <laughs> I'm a large man and I feel guilty when I eat boxes of candy <laughs> just sitting there um but i'm more likely actually to get popcorn which is what i got for shang chi but this time around i i felt bad i needed to lose some weight so i chose not to get any snacks but but if i was to get a snack 
I'd get for Eternals. I'd get the, you know, the little Butterfingers that they come in the box, the movie theater ones. I love mm-hmm. those guys ass Butterfingers. I'd go with those. If I could go back and I wasn't on a diet, which I'm not really on a diet. I'm saying that for the audience, but <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I wasn't, you know, yeah. Butterfingers. Good choice. Good choice. Thank you. What is it? What's your favorite candy at the, I don't think I've asked you. Have I? Oh, uh, well, it's definitely Australian licorice, but um, really? that is not something that movie theaters sell. And I, I saw this in the movie theater. What about- and so what about what? Good and plenty. No, no, I don't. I don't like black licorice. It's not. No, I like. What's the licorice you said? Australian. It's Australian licorice. What that is? Oh man! So there's this brand called Daryl Lee, yeah. um, and they make Australian licorice. I mean, it's basically like like you know Twizzlers, but like way better in my opinion. So they're uh, if you yeah if you see it in any like grocery stores or candy stores or anything, you should pick some up and try it because it's real good. Yeah, better than Turkish delights. <laughs> I, yes, I think so. Turkish delights are like kind of like jelly, yeah. basically. But like these are like they're like um, like a Twizzler, but chewier and and I think more flavorful. Hmm. Maybe I know what they are if I saw them. Think so you might, yeah, but you might. I like um, there's like I don't like anything in the black licorice family, but I like the cherry licorice, like Twizzler flavor, whatever. Yeah, they're they're like if you've ever had like the Twizzler bites that you can get, they come in like a bag and they're like smaller. That's what Australian licorice is like. It comes in a bag like that, and um, and the Daryl Lee makes a mixed uh, mixed fruit one that's like uh, there's a strawberry, mango, and sour apple, and they're amazing. Oh, it's my favorite candy. They're different flavored. Okay, mm. all right, that that's cool. But they're like yeah, aisle, but all different flavors. Yeah, I've seen I've seen full length ones like that. Mm. Think, but either way, sounds banging. Yeah, yeah, that's my snack. <laughs> that's my snack. That's my snack. That's my snack. We're fucking back. <laughs> Somebody gonna have a snack attack. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay. So, all right, then my last bonus question, we've done this before. Um, Ryan, if we could recast any two characters from the Eternals with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito, who are we we recasting? How does it improve the movie? Danny DeVito is going to be Irishim, (laughs) the Celestial. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Because please tell me how Danny DeVito wouldn't be great as that role. That's it. That's all Uh I can say. And then just Danny DeVito's head floating yeah. in space. You wouldn't even. It would make that end scene. I don't think he'd even need the body like Irishman had. Just his floating head. We can go. Mm-hmm. That. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh man, she'd be a deviant. Those those Ooh. those dreads that she has kind of looks like the deviant's fucking. Yeah. yeah, she's a deviant, but a good you know not in a bad way. She's you know just right. She's just as a deviant. I mean, it's yeah, what it is. <laughs> In the in the terms of this movie, a deviant. Yeah, we're not saying we're not saying Whoopi Goldberg as yeah. a person is a yeah. deviant. Goldberg's a fine person. Just in this movie, <laughs> deviant. <laughs> yeah, and some of them did have kind of like. Uh, so she was. Um, 
Shenzi. She was Shenzi in The Lion King. Oh. She was the voice of one of the hyenas. And the deviants are kind of hyena-like. They are. In some ways. And I uh, so, feel like she, that, get, that works. Yeah. She's got yeah. the vibe. Yeah. The, like, that, they got that slick back. Like they, they had a weird like skin, you know? Like I, I wish I could, the deviants, you know? They looked like reptilian almost, but like Like, it almost just looked like their body was separate pieces, like a, like a comb back hair. I don't know how to explain that, but yeah, mm. look at their body, you know. So uh, you know, uh, this this is like a something I was wondering: are did are the deviants dinosaurs, or are they like what made the dinosaurs go extinct? Maybe. Um, I definitely think they're more on the lines of what made the dinosaurs go extinct. They're almost more like a dragon. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, if if they were around for the dinosaurs, they would have fucked them up. <laughs> so maybe that is like the explanation for what made them go extinct. This new apex predator was introduced to the ecosystem yeah. and it wiped out the dinosaurs. That's actually how it happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck the comet or asteroid. <laughs> and, well, no. So that's actually part of it. The meteor that crashed is what like carried the deviants. It's like their ship that they like. <sighs> you know, had the seed of the deviance and then they, yeah. they took over the planet. Kind of like the creatures in a quiet place. Isn't that how they say they got there? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, bump. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So that was our discussion on the internals. Ryan, do you have any like final thoughts about this movie? Anything you want to say about like what's coming up in the MCU? Oh, I'm just gonna say this movie was great, and uh, like I love how it really opened up. Like, just how is everyone else gonna react to what happened in the Eternals? That's the big thing. Like, how, in the future, how are they gonna bring that up? Mm. You know, like, oh yeah, there's just this giant stone god like coming out of the ground. I, like, I just want to see how that. Like, people are obviously gonna have things to say about this. It's got to be a big impact on humans on the Earth. You know, mm-hmm. the clouds parted and this giant red like celestial appeared in the sky and sucked these three things up into the sky and was like, "We're going for judgment." You know, it was like that's crazy stuff, and um, yeah. that's big. I mean, I know Thanos just happened and everything, but these people are having a rough few years. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I'm curious to see how they react to this. This is the biggest thing, like coming up in the movies, coming forward, Spider-Man, Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, Guardians of Galaxy 3. Is all this stuff going to come up? I really hope so. I would think it is. But that's really what I'm looking forward to. Are there are there like other dimensions where none of this happened? Like Danny DeVito's giant face did not appear in the clouds? Of course. I believe there's a dimension or, or another reality for everything that could possibly have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, well, thank you listeners for joining us for our discussion of the Eternals today. And uh, if you want to send us any any emails uh, or make any comments or anything on this episode, uh, email me at robosvdinos at gmail.com. And please leave us a rating on whatever, um, and a review on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Say that again. Smash that subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button. We'll see you next time. Later.
to be back on the cast with Luigi. 